Hey, travel bosses. This week's sponsor is TripStreak. The next time you need to book a flight and you want to be able to search by preferences like lay down seats or red eye flights or not, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. That's tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. Here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 169 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Ka Sundance. Welcome to the show. Hi, Johnny. I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, we've actually been wanting to have, actually a lot of people have been asking me to have on a nomad family or someone who's traveling with kids. And when your name came up, uh, when you guys reached out to me, I thought, wow, this, this has been the perfect opportunity. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm also stoked to be here and to share and to inspire people. That's what I do anyways. Uh, really cool. So where exactly are you right now? We were just on video and I saw a beautiful backdrop. It looks like you're somewhere tropical near a beach. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm right now. This is kind of our home. If you if you have such a thing, uh, we are in Costa Rica where we went to 2010 when we became really European expats. We became German expats already 2008. But European experts, I come from Germany originally, we became 2010. And since then, it has been all a big, long ride, basically. We are a location, independent family traveling all around the world with our six children. We have online businesses that support this fun lifestyle. And we just arrived in Costa Rica, like maybe like two weeks ago. We, we were on the road the last nine months, actually. We spent the last two months in Guatemala. And before that, we were in Hawaii for a month. Then we were road tripping uh, through Australia um, in a big van with my kids. And then before that in Bali, Thailand, Vietnam, in S- Southeast Asia. So wow. these were the last destinations. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's crazy. I, I definitely want to hear all about Costa Rica because a lot of people have been talking about that. My sister is actually there right now with, with her family, with her uh, two kids. But I want to hear how it all started. Yeah, so honestly, I decided to become a traveler when I was possibly six six or seven years old. This is when my first vivid memory of a, a long holiday I was doing with my mom and my dad at the time. We were going to Italy, South Italy from Germany. That's a very common vacation um, destination. And it was so awesome. My mom had time and we were like all relax and this stuck with me. And I, this is in that summer I decided, man, this is what I want to have every day of my life. This is the lifestyle I want to have, you know. So this was my decision I made as a child, basically. But then, of course, I went to school. And But even before I finished my high school degree, I was traveling all around Europe in the summer vacation always. Um, when I was 17 years old, I think this was when I really started traveling. That is now more than 20 years ago, you know, and maybe 23, 24 years ago, I started traveling. And then I met my wife, 1997, in, in New Zealand, that was. So that's exactly 20, a little bit more than 20 years ago, I met my wife uh, while I was on a big world tra- travel around the world. And um, my wife was 18 years old at the time, and she we went all by herself to New Zealand, traveling there. We met, and the rest is history, as they say. You know, we since 
that point of time we were together and we traveled all around the world and had, you know, did not stop making babies all along the way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty impressive that you're traveling with six kids. And I think a lot of people write in asking if it's possible to travel with one kid. That's right. What, they do. What kind of, I mean, I mean, how, I'm sure it's, it's more difficult than traveling as a, as a single solo digital nomad, but you've traveled to a lot of countries. I mean, what is that process like, you know, getting on a plane? You know, is it six times more expensive? Yeah. Like, how does it all work? Well, that's, that's for sure. On the plane, you 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 pay when they're two years old. You pay um, uh, most airlines eighty percent, ninety percent of the price. If they take a seat, you pay full price for them. So air travel is really expensive for us. If you go back and forth across the ocean, it can be $10,000 or something, you know? So that is expensive. But um, that's why I have my business for, you know? This is why I wanted to have this business to be able to, to live that kind of lifestyle with my with my kids. And when we go on an air travel, we are, one one thing we always do, and I share this also in my vlogs, I, you know, I, do, I vlog about it on, on YouTube, is that we are at least three and a half to four hours before the departure of any airplane, we are at the airport. No matter if it's a local or an, or like an international flight, we are very early ahead of time at the airport. And we also prepare in a way that we prepare, for example, food. You know, we are not just traveling, but we are really into, really much into like a, an alternative lifestyle and um, eating healthy. Organic is for, if possible. We are vegetarians. We are vegans in the family. Um, and we eat seasonal locals. So we have high, very high standards towards our food. So that's only achieved if you prepare beforehand, you know, some healthy snacks. Because let's be honest, the food on airplanes still is uh, mostly crappy. So there's no, not a lot of good food on airplanes. Yeah, so definitely. That's how we, do it. We, we just prepare. And we go early. So what is it about traveling with kids that you have to arrive three to four hours early at the airport? Well, just, you know, maybe if we have moms and dads listening here, I don't know. You know, you arrive somewhere and then somebody needs to pee. And when one kid is done with peeing, then the next one needs to take a dump. And then one gets hungry and then one gets tired. And there's always something with kids. And I think that the basic rule and why we can all of this make all of this work is that you're not about you should not get stressed out no matter what. If you're starting to get stressed out as a parent, watch what happens to your children. <laughs> yeah. One is eventually going to pick up on, on you being stressed and then there's going to be scream and, and shouting and, you know, hey, mate. So um, this is why we, uh, you know, give ourselves time and we prepare also internally kind of. On the other hand, we are really experienced with this, but we, we are just taking our time we even if we just cross the street any anything we do with like eight souls together is an entire group you know when we cross the streets we take our time that's also why we mostly live in the tropics you know because people allow you to take time here i come from germany if you cross cross the street and you're not fast enough somebody will honk at you and said get out of the way no, and here in Costa Rica, when I cross the streets, people just stop their cars, they turn off the engine, they wave and watch us and have a little chat with us while we cross the street and they are interrupted in their, you know, where going where they want to go. So that's, you know, it just takes time with six kids. Well, that definitely makes sense. And that's actually a great kind of life hack or travel hack is that instead of getting stressed out, which... I agree. It's not good for anybody. And, you know, mm -hmm. or instead of, I mean, I think exactly. the, the biggest problem, I think 
the biggest stress that you see on airplanes when parents are traveling with their kids, even if it's just one kid, is the parents are almost always stressed out. They're in a rush. They, you know, they get angry and then the kids, they, they feel the vibe from that. And then to kind of try to calm them down, they end up giving them a, a candy bar or something with a lot of sugar. And, you know, 20 minutes later, the kid is, you know, cr- you know, running, you know, running around and screaming and. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll, but you say yeah we don't but yeah we don't we, we don't there's no sugar in our family or at least no candy bar you know we have like vegan treats and sugar we have sugar free vegan um, gluten free if possible so we eat very healthy that's one thing maybe one thing we do that is you know we also we don't watch television because you know in Costa Rica there is no you know coming from the United States you're used to having twenty channels television you don't have this in Costa Rica and. Even on top of this, we just don't watch television. I think there's so much crap in the television. It's not worthy my time. We have YouTube these days. Anyway, so what we do when we go on airplanes, that, you know, other people go to the movies with their children. We go on an airplane travel. That's what it is for my kids. So if they go, they know when we go on an airplane, oh, great, we can watch the news Ice Age, you know, or um, Moana or, you know, whatever's on, 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 you know, new in the cinemas these days. So that's one thing that we, they can watch some movies when we are on the airplane. That works really well because that's something special. We don't watch it normally. That's one trick we use. Okay. That, that definitely makes sense. And, and, and I agree that, you know, just the pre-planning just eliminates a lot of the stress of, of traveling. What do you think is something that traveling with, with a family, like what other kind of, you know, things that you have, do you have to deal with that a single digital nomad or a new single traveler doesn't have to deal with? Well, I, I, if you're fine with this, you have to rephrase this question, but I would like to move now and the, it still sounds all like such a drag and so complicated. What I want to, want to add here, if you ask me this, so I feel free to just answer the other way around. We have the beautiful ability to share our experiences. That's why we're doing this. That is what a solo traveler does not have. You're traveling all by yourself and it's amazing. You're so free. And I've did this, you know, for years and years, but now I have the luxury of going with people. I deeply care about my flesh and blood, my, 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 you know, my, my kids and my wife, and we have a lot of them. We go to totally strange places we've never been seeing before. And we do, we, our rule in the family is we go at least three to four new countries each year. And then we go there, and we have no idea what is expecting us. We're also not really planning a lot of ahead. We're really very freestyle, kind of just experiencing a country with not pl- having planned so much beforehand and doing all of this together as a family so you can share, you know, to provide yourself with some new experiences, some ex- something exciting, something adventurous, and to do this in a tribe of people you care about is the most gratifying thing I have experienced so far. It's so beautiful to just share this together and also, it brings you very tight together as a family or as a group because you have to rely on each other, you have to... No, look after each other. You have to make compromises. You have to be, you know, all of those very good things happening when you travel. So that's why we enjoy it so much. So much fun. I, I love it. I love how you rephrase this to a positive because a lot of people, I think, they don't really think about the, the benefits. Uh, they think about reasons not to start or not to go. Yeah. <laughs> there are also some of them. So, you know, one thing that we don't like or that is a big problem if you, you, you know, you travel since 20 years is one thing is I'm very passionate about gardening. Like I said, we're into the organic lifestyle, so I would like to grow my own food. That's not possible when you travel all around the world. When I put a seed in the ground, when it blossoms, you know, we are five continents around the world, basically. That's one thing. Another thing, 
My kids love animals. You know, all kids do. We cannot really have animals. And the third thing is that we don't see our family as frequently as other people are used to. We go every summer home to Germany to see mama and papa, but it's not as other people are used to. Those are three, the three main things I feel that are uh, like a disadvantage, but they do not outweigh the benefits we see. And I also, you know, it's not just that we, we, we are not like vacation takers. We're not tourists. This is our lifestyle. This is our day-to-day life. So the way how we, you know, how we see it is that this is how we give our kids education. Our kids also don't go to a normal school system, but we 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 all school them. And when we go to a country, I said like we don't we don't really prepare. That means like we do not plan a lot of hotels up front, but we do some education about the background, about the culture of this um, place we're going to, about the, you know, what what they do there, how they how they live there, and then we go there and give on our kids have the opportunity to experience this, not through a book or through a screen, but through first-hand experience. And this is how we believe that they're going to get an, an, a wealth of education normal kids in, in this society do not get. So, you know, that's our philosophy behind it. I can definitely see the benefits of that, especially if you're staying for longer than, you know, a short holiday. You know, I think mm-hmm. if if you just went, you know, overseas for, a, a you know, a five-day holiday or a week, and it, it's it might not even be worth the stress of you know and the, you know, the expense of flying with a big family or even you know any kids. But if you're there for a longer period of time and you're really teaching them about the culture and letting them get to know the the, the place, I can definitely see that being a huge benefit. And, and I'm actually curious, how long do you normally stay in each location? That also varies a little bit because I am, you know, I'm also a speaker, so I get, uh, we, we also sometimes just, you know, just for example, we, we're in Costa Rica right now, but at the end of August, we're going to go to Canada as I'm, you know, speaking there on a actually world schooling conference, all the world schooling families come to Canada and I'm allowed to speak there. And the next week, I'm going to fly to Lisbon in, in Portugal as I'm speaking there on a digital nomad conference. So it sometimes these dates, you know, show, lead us the way. Very often, however, our kids decide where we're going to travel next. And uh, we try to stay usually at least like two to three months per country, exactly for that reason. Because if you're just there for a week or two weeks or even like three weeks and you're just basically ticking off all the tourist attractions, you usually do not really see half of the real country. That only happens if you really stay a place, you connect with the locals. Another thing we also started, quite honestly, not as long as I wished for it to, to have, have it done, but is that we, you know, as we are the fortunate ones on earth that we even have the possibility and have the money and the means to do all of this with our children. The tension I feel sometimes that especially if you go to those third world countries, you know, like Costa Rica, for example, or we spend, you know, times in Cambodia and Vietnam, you know, this year, it, it, there's always the tension that people are so poor, there and we just go from basically hotel to hotel and you know um um resort to resort and that you know made me because we we I come from a very poor background I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth so I we had we were living on food stamps for years and years I know how it is to be poor so that was a tension I was feeling you know being this first class world traveler with my with my family and with my kids so what we do right now is that we um, almost in every third world country we go to we make sure that we're gonna not only support a social project with money but with time so we are becoming more like philanthropists who just go places and like in guatemala we were 
So, you know, we're supporting, we're working with a partner organization in Germany that do, does reforestation programs in Central and South America. So, we, you know, uh, this is one thing that, that we were, were going on the plantation and we were, you know, staying with the people who plant the trees there and talking to the locals, you know, or this other organization, Days for Girls, where it's like you know, for women um, who drop out of the school system because, you know, the first time they bleed, they have their moon, they just drop out of school. It's very common in most third world countries because there is no menstrual, you know, protection there. You, you, you don't can buy those things. So, you know, and when they bleed, they just drop out of school or they don't go to school. This is why they don't have education and why they don't have any chance on the, you know, uh, to get work. So we support those causes and we do this together with our children to really hands on be in touch with real people and not just tourist attractions. And I think this is a big advice to everybody from the Western rich world. You know, I don't care how much you complain about being poor. You're so much better off than people in the third world countries who have to fear starvation. Some of them, honestly, they do. So to be, really become a conscious traveler, not just a first world traveler, but a conscious alternative traveler willing to give back. That's an important part of what we do. I love it. Uh, so I'm curious, how old are you kids? The oldest one is going to be 16 in a month from now, and the youngest one just turned one. So we have everything in between, one, three, six, nine, eleven, thirteen, sixteen. 13, 16. Wow, okay. Uh, so you have kids ranging from one to 16. Like, isn't that difficult to homeschool them because they're all on different levels? Yeah, that's also a question that we always get asked. And it's true to some degree because, you know, with all those, it's not just one in 16, but everything in between. It's six kids, so we, they're all different ages. And of course, the different age have different needs, different needs to learn and, you know, to also different interests. So to satisfy those needs, it is, it can be a challenge. However, that's maybe another special thing about our lifestyle is that we are not just traveling by ourselves. We are, we finally have arrived now in Costa Rica where we again have lots of friends, but, um, we are not really here with other world traveling family. The, the last nine months, however, we most of the time were experiencing those countries with other like-minded world traveling families. You know, some of our, our business students, you know, we have um, this online business school. So we have lots of friends who, uh, with, you know, a large amount of children themselves who travel all around the world. Just imagine last winter was the second winter already, 2016, 2017, the winter. We met with 200 people from our online business truck in Thailand, and we spent months from November till March. We had 200 people, and the speciality about our tribe is like 100 adults and 100 children. Imagine this, so 100 entrepreneurs, all with online businesses, with all their kids, sometimes big families, you know, with a lot of kids. We met and, and lived for months and months in a resort in Thailand and just, you know, um, like a social experiment almost, you know, living together, sharing together, having kids play together. And that is my answer to your question. As we are most of the time together with other families who live a similar lifestyle than we do, the kids, they find each other. And this is not really an age thing. Sometimes it is, but very often it isn't. If you let souls free different than the school system they find themselves based on interest not on age so if you have a similar interest for a topic you you know an old an old man with 85 years can connect with a five-year-old if they have the same passion you should see how much inspiration and wisdom and knowledge is transferred from one person to the other in both directions by the way if you bring people together with the same interest so this is my answer we are together with other families who are also free souls 
and just experience life together. And then there are always lots of friendships and connections happening accordingly to what you're interested and passionate about at the time. And that takes a lot of weight off of our shoulders of being um, you know, the educators or the, you know, the, the, the persons who, who just uh, give them the knowledge and to guide them. We, we still guide them, but there are always so many other pe- more people around that they can surround themselves with. Do you, do you understand? Yeah, I, I love it. And it really is a digital tribe that gets to meet in real life and gets to have the, the benefits of, you know, the, it's, it's, it's basically the modern day tribe that you've created. That's right. That's what we did. You know, we were always missing that tribe as we we're so special with our interests in vegan food and organic and permaculture and unschooling and online business. These are all very specific hobbies to have. And you usually feel very lonesome if you have this and, and have a lot of kids on top of everything. So this is why we say, well, we need to, there is no tribe. We don't have community. So let's create our own. And here we are now, you know, having tens of thousands of people and we have more than half a million fans on Facebook, for example, you know, and tens of thousands of people following us, more than a 100,000 subscribers on YouTube and our English and German channel. So we have created this community and it's always so good to meet them, you know, several times a year, like-minded people with these special interests. And it's awesome, beautiful and for our kids as well. So they don't feel like outsiders with those, you know, they, they've never been to McDonald's. They've never drank Coca-Cola in their life and we don't miss a thing because right now, actually, I'm sitting in a health food restaurant. On, you know, to, to have, we don't feel like outsiders. We, it's always how I like to see it. We are trendsetters. We are, we are the future. This is where this is all going. This is where I see life is going. If we want to survive as a species, we have to change some very basic things. And I'm living, I'm trying to be the change, to live that, to bring the change and live the change that I feel we as human mankind, as the human race needs to do. This change needs to happen. Otherwise, we're going to mess everything up. And that's not, that's not acceptable for me. How do you feel about that? Yeah, you know what? I, I think, you know, regardless of, I, you know, okay, so I actually want to tell you a story is when you first reached out to, to come on the podcast, at first I was really excited. I was like, wow, you know, uh, finally I, I found a nomad family that's traveling, that's doing online business. This is exactly what I need. And I started looking through your, your page and your channel. And at first I was like, oh my, I was like, oh no, like it's, you know, maybe this guy is too extreme for me. Maybe, you know, being, you know, raw <laughs> diet, raw vegan. I was thinking, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe this guy's head's in the clouds. So, but you know, I didn't want to just prejudge. So I started watching some of your videos and the one video that I clicked on that really convinced me not only how down to earth you are, but how reasonable you are and how logical you are was a video called three reasons not to go on a 100% raw food diet. And do, do you mm-hmm. remember that video? It was, it was actually filmed seven years ago and it's had now had over half That's a million right. views. And, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know this video. Yeah. And I think the reason why it made me just kind of connect with you so much and made me want to have you on the show was that you were talking about how there's the ideal, uh, and then there's kind of the, the, the reality of the ideal not being easy, you know, and that you have to make sacrifices that you have to, you know, really pre-plan for things and that if you can't, you know, if you can't have the ideal, maybe sometimes it's, it's better. I don't want to say to settle for something else, but you know, you have, then you have to be a little bit realistic. 
I think I would rephrase this. I feel like if you want to have something perfect, it's very easy to get obsessed with something. I think this is the point that I made. And that I, I meet a lot of vegans and even raw vegans. You know what? That has a long time ago that we have been really 100% raw vegans, many years. But that you can get obsessed with something. And that's not, you know, in the name of being healthy, being so obsessed with judging everything that is not 100% to up to your standards, judging yourself and everybody else around you, that's not healthy at all. So that's uh, another way of putting it, you know, to watch out, to not becoming obsessed with an idea and, like, you know, turn it sour somehow. I can see that. And I think the reason why it made me kind of respect you uh, so much and realize, you know, how level-headed you were is the fact that I knew that when you put that video out that that would get you a lot of backlash in the community of people getting upset saying, oh, yes. how can you possibly oh, yes, say sir. there, you know, there's even – um a situation or a time where you, you're not supposed to eat 100% raw vegan that, you know, like, shouldn't you be preaching this, you know, no matter what? Exactly. Yeah. Th- this is the problem with the vegan movement, you know, because I love the idea of being an ethical vegan. You know, I don't want any living being killed in my name so I can indulge and eat it as I don't need it. You know, we in the old days, it made sense. But nowadays, you don't need to kill animals to be perfectly healthy. So there's not really a, a nutritional need for you can supplement so i think this makes perfect sense on an emotional level you know caring for my brothers and sisters and living being i I think it makes sense also i was like slaughtering my last animals i was eating myself and that was the reason i didn't want to do it anymore however the problem is that most of the vegans or a big part of the vegan movement um, managed to make a great idea look so fucking bad by judging and being so narrow-minded and by having this war-like mentality if you're not with us if you're not a vegan you are against us and you're gonna have to get crucified basically so this is why i'm always i always was like so cautious and careful not to be used by the movement as like a spokesperson because i don't like this judging you know attitude we have so much to look on our own plate before we should judge judge anybody else what he's putting on his plate Literally speaking. So this is why I had to distance myself from that movement. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, I mean, I guess a, a good thing, but also a negative is because in the, I think any very niche community can get a bit cult-like. So in a, in a yeah. sense, it's yeah. good because it's very easy to gain followers or gain traction, but then it's very easy to, you know, then kind of just, uh, become what uh, they want you to be. So almost kind of like the, what you had mentioned about just being this like poster child or, or the spokesperson for it, even if, you know, it, it's not necessarily the kind of the, the re- realistic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you use the mission or message of love, which for me, if you boil it down to the vegan message is all about, it's about loving and respecting other, you know, living beings. And in the name of love, you spread hate. You know, that's what you do if you hate people who are not vegan, who eat meat. So that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, that's why we really have to. That's, I think, part of my entire mission is to to really hold up a flag for for tolerance. That's why I'm traveling all around the world, because what it helps me with the traveling and to show this to my kids, that it always questions everything you have been brought up with. And I think this is a pretty healthy thing to do to be really a system hacker. You have to be these days because a lot of the old paradigms are no longer working. If they even have really worked in the first place, I also want to even question that. But we we need more people who question the status quo or who question 
the the rules and the you know everything that is put on to us through television, mainstream media, and even society. We have to be willing to look for new alternatives right now, and um, that only can happen if we are very open-minded. If we really question what we believe to be right and see if it can be improved, if it can be like taken apart and put together in a better way, and to really rather go with how you feel about things, and if it's sustainable, if it's making you feel good, if it's good for your children, and not just follow orders and follow, you know, what is what is what they say we, we should be doing. I really question this a lot, and that's what we stand for. Well, so the, uh, the only other kind of uh, vegan, I don't want to say spokesperson, but like someone who's very actively vegan I've had on the show is Sean Lee. Uh, he has a, a big YouTube channel. And one question that I've, I've asked a lot of vegans that have become friends. I, you know, I usually, I, I usually don't like even talking about the subject because as you kind of mentioned, it gets a little bit crazy when, you know, especially if you're talking online and you get all these comments about it. But one, one question I've always asked is if you can, you know, as a vegan, if you can get all the, you know, the mediators in the world to eat 75% less meat, which means, you yeah. know, they will, let's say they never, they will never become a vegan, but they will eat 75% less meat forever, you know, would that be a, you know, would you be happy with that? And it really shocked me how many people said like, no, like that, that's not, you know, it's either all or nothing. It's, and that's, that's the problem that is exactly when I wouldn't, I wouldn't support the statement. I'm so happy with each meat eater that I, you know, that is, is inspired to eat one steak less a week or whatever. Just every little drop counts. I feel, well, how can you make you say this? You know, you constantly be unhappy if you have this ideal picture that is not going to happen. You know, you have to make go in stages and to be, you know, happy with small improvements rather than seeing none. That doesn't make any sense to me, what you just said. Yeah. So that is my big suggestion to all the vegan listeners, because I, I know a lot of them are going to tune in for this podcast is, you know, start with that, you know, if, and because I, I, I do believe, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't know if I believe in going all the way 100% raw vegan, but I also don't believe that the diet we have now, especially the standard American diet, is the healthiest either. And I do believe we all eat way too much meat. And I think that, if the message right now was, you know, everybody just eat more vegetables and eat a little bit less meat, the environment would be better, the whole world would be better, everybody would be healthier. And I really, really truly believe that would make the biggest difference right now. If PETA stopped shaming people and, you know, for eating meat. That's right. Yeah. Meat, yeah. Well, I also want to add one more thing, and this is how we have emancipated or like transformed ourselves away from this vegan or even raw vegan message because like people get so obsessed with this tiny little bit. What I believe is equally, if not even more important than eating this vegan part is that we eat organic, brother. This is so much, you know, if, if we can, how, how well, you know, how good do you do the environment if you just eat all this pesticide and food, you know, and support big corporations like Monsanto, you know, to um, make billions and billions of profits. So what I say is don't focus on the raw part or if for the love of God, not even so much on the vegan part, but make sure that you support your local farmers, that you eat seasonal, local, that you eat um, as much organic as possible. And if you ask me at least a little bit more vegetarian. I think this is the mixture that will truly transform the world if we would like combine those different aspects and not just focus on one. So I have a big, big question for you then is it seems like your ideal life would be to live 
somewhere where you can have, you know, your garden, you can grow your own fruits and vegetables, you can have, you know, pets for your, for your kids to play with, and you can have kind of that stability. It, have you thought about just, I don't want to say settling down, but have you thought about planting roots somewhere and, you know, and, and not traveling so much? Yes, we kind of play with that thought, but then after like two or three months in a country, we all, all, the kids included and the kids mostly, they feel like, man, let's just experience something new. Let's go back to Thailand. Let's go ride the elephant. The last year they wanted to finally to see the big five, the big animals of Africa in real life and not just on, on, on photos. So we have this idea, but then again, our kids are just enjoyed so much to travel. And then it's not just the traveling, but we, again, we have all those friends who also travel the world. So, you know, if you are in a big group of people, last summer we went then in the Sahara Desert and we had like 11 kids on 11, on 10 camels or whatever, um, riding through the Sahara Desert, you know, with some desert nomad Indians, or whatever, you know. So it's just so much fun. And we, we, nobody's forcing us to do that. So we, we can, we could, you know, root down, but we always see like what beautiful new things need to be explored by us adventurers here. And, but still, I also have to say that just three days ago, we started uh, moving earth. We have been buying property here like one and a half years ago in Costa Rica. And we, in the next month or so, we're going to build a house there. Eco-friendly house built, built with like wood and clay and river rocks and you know no steel and concrete or just very little of it so we 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 start now you know but this also has it's one thing it's like a i'm I'm a builder you know i used to be a carpenter in my old life i'm very passionate about building especially about eco-friendly building you know a great alternative gray water systems a salt water pool and everything but um it's also just an experiment now to how, how would we feel, you know, owning something? And we just built this thing now, but I'm not attached to it. We also, maybe I, I build it and uh, enjoy very much or, already do, doing all of those things, but then we sell it or maybe we just rent it out to somebody. And it's just also like an investment thing. We have all those money and it doesn't make sense to hold, have it all sitting in the bank. So, um, I like to go or we go moving right now into this alternative, um, real estate business where we, I'd like, I envision to have like seven to eight, Maybe 10, but that's maybe even a little bit little, a little bit much rental properties. We can rent out and just move, you know, from one rental place to the next. Um, so we don't always have to go in hotels, but we have like our blender there and our superfoods and our wheatgrass, you know, box where we can grow our own wheatgrass. Um, so that's our future more to, to have go from our own place to own place, rent it out and um, do this all eco-friendly. I love it. And I think at the end of the day, we don't really need to know exactly what we want to do for the rest of our lives. I think the most important exactly. thing is that we have the option to be able to, mm. you know, stay in one place and, and buy a piece of land and, you know, and build a house and build a, build a home. Or we have the option to be able to, to travel to all these amazing places that you've talked about. And, and this wasn't possible, yeah. you know, for, you know, 30 years ago. It's, it's really, we are living in a very blessed time where we have the internet, we have wireless connectivity everywhere where we can run online businesses and be able to make enough money to have these options. Exactly. You know, just in my lifetime, imagine I'm traveling now for since 20 years. Now we have all the money and everything is cool and our online business provide for us. But we started 20 years ago. There was no internet or at least I didn't discover it back in the time and we were still traveling. So, you know, we did our first travel with our kids. It was 2005, 2004, 2005, 2006. We were traveling with our two sons all around the world and we didn't have any money. So if this is an, ex, you know, an excuse, sometimes people say, well, car, now you're so rich and everything is easy for you, blah, 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 blah. 
Don't give me that. We have already been traveling when I was, you know, I didn't not only have no money, we had like tens of thousands of dollars of depth when we started out. We were on food stamps, man. So, and we still traveled the world. So this is no excuse that you don't have money. If you want to do it by the thing I say in every interview and in every, all of my presentations, my, my most favorite quote in the world is if the one who wants finds a way and the one who doesn't, he finds reasons. What's it going to be for you? I always, Challenged myself together with my wife that if we feel this is the way we want to go, we will go that direction no matter what. And we will, if there is no way, I don't care. If I, I don't have a plan, if I don't have support, my parents hated me when we started doing this. If nobody was believing in me, if I don't have the education, if I had tens of thousands of dollars depth, if I have nothing, I will still go in the direction that I know to be the right one. I don't care. I'll make up a way. And that has served us very well and brought us right now to this place where I'm talking to you and being able to inspire so many people and thrive on, on many levels. I love it. So can you tell us what was like your first online business? What was the first thing you made money with and what are you doing now? Well, uh, quite honestly, again, I'm a carpenter. You know, I was doing 10 years in carpentry and we were traveling and I was doing jobs or jobs from here to there. We, then we had to go back at some point of time to Europe or we wanted to go back to Europe at some point of time. We were desperate, man. We were really desperate because we knew that, you know, me doing carpentry and then we were working jobs like on the health food store, on the till. I was working in a hospice where people were sent to die. It was all conscious and, uh, you know, ethical, high standard jobs we were doing. But they all had one thing in common. They were terribly underpaid. The good jobs don't get, recogn get enough recognition, also financial recognition, if you ask me. And then one day we just, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking, man, if we're going to continue this, there is no way we ever going to create any freedom for ourselves. We're going to doom ourselves to poverty. And we might, if I work more on the weekends, we might be able to finance our poverty ourselves. So we don't have the, the state or the government to finance our poverty. We can maybe maintain being totally broke and poor all of the time for the rest of our lives ourselves. If I work Monday to Sunday evening. So in that realization was like, man, the, you know, fuck that. This is not appropriate. This is not acceptable for us. We want to see our kids. We want to live. We want to, you know, life cannot be you know, uh, accept it from my perspective. If you're just away working, continue to be broke, don't see your wife, don't see your children, not even talking about not having time for my passions, for my hobbies to look at well after myself, that all is out of the window. And when we realized this, okay, this has to stop, but we didn't know what to do, where to go. And then one day Katie was working in the health food store at, at the till. And somehow the manager there realized that we were this raw vegan family. And whenever clients came in or, you know, clients of that health food store, he was sending my, those clients to my wife and they ask, kept on asking her questions about recipes, about, you know, um, how to eat vegan and healthy. And then, one day I walked in there and I brought her lunch and she was again in communication with a client and she asked, this client asked my wife, well, don't you have a website where I can see more information about this? And I looked my wife in the eyes and that was one of those magical moments. It was in 2008 and it clicked and this was finally giving us an idea what to do. So I went home, I grabbed a video camera. I always was a filmmaker. Long before there was YouTube, I started doing movies in the 80s already when I was a child. And I grabbed the camera and I was talking basically about raw food, about eating healthy, changing your nutrition um, to help people. That's what I, what I was doing in, you know, in 2008, 2009, just doing YouTube videos. 
Also, we have the background. Our son was so sick, and this is why we turned even to the raw food diet. So we have also there like a story where we can inspire people. But anyways, so I, I started doing YouTube videos, and then people ask us. It was just basically comments of viewers. We, we, we gained viewers pretty quick because I was very sincere. I really wanted just to help. There was nothing to sell or something. I just wanted to help. And then they ask us, man, what do you eat? It's interesting. You do vegan with your kids, but what does it mean? How do you, what do you eat with your children? What recipes? Do you have recipes, recipes, recipes? After the hundredth comment, we were just putting together our most favorite recipes in a little PDF file and just put it online. No knowledge about marketing, about nothing. But people bought this little PDF file for a couple of dollars. And that gave us, gave us confidence then to say goodbye to our life in Europe, all the safety nets there, and just we went on a one-way ticket to Costa Rica. We made maybe like one or two hundred dollars with a recipe ebook. This is how we got started. And as soon as we arrived in Costa Rica, with really it was not you, you couldn't even really call it business because it made so little money. But still, the question all of a sudden changed when we were in Costa Rica. Then people all of a sudden asked, "Man, now you move to Costa Rica and what you're selling an ebook? This is how you finance your life." Oh, I want this as well. Can you show me? Can you please? Can you show me how you? How do you write this ebook? How do you market it? How do you sell it? How do you get so many followers? How do you get so many clicks? This, these question, and it took me a little longer to accept that people forced me and asked me to become their business coach. I was resisting this because I was just a carpenter man, and you know I just figured this all out by myself. But after the again the hundredth person possibly was asking me and throwing money in my direction, I just starting started doing online you know Skype coaching sessions where I taught people my knowledge about online business and online marketing, and I did this for several years, and I um, you know gained a lot of experience. I built businesses in all continents all around the world basically, but then patterns occurred. I realized, man, I'm teaching patterns. It's like the now, the same principles um, I see myself teaching again and again and again. And when that happened, I just felt that was one of my more smart ideas together with my wife. I just put all this knowledge and all my experience from these years of coaching business into like, a you know, into videos. I structured it, put it in different modules. And that was the birth of our online do what you love online business school. And that was our million dollar idea. We still sell this program up to this day. It's our signature program. We then went also into the German market 2013 because there's nothing in Germany. And now we have almost 2000 clients in our thousand dollar business school. And um, I help people to create successful alternative businesses all around the world. And, and just to, to round the story up, all I was ever doing was following my heart, following my passion, helping and serving and listening. That's what a lot of healers and alternative people don't do really well enough that you not only share what you're passionate about, but you got to listen to what people want from you. It's like market research. And if you're willing to give people what they want from you in harmony with what, what, what your gifts are, see what happens. This is the recipe for success and for great transformation and for also a lot of happiness. I, I love it. And I think that that story really is going to inspire a lot of people who have a passion right now that they would happily share for free. They would happily make, you know, videos about it yeah. or tell their friends or tell strangers about whatever it is, you know, whether Ooh. it's diet, whether it's lifestyle, that something that really inspired them and changed their life. And now they can see a very clear path on how to make that into an actual profitable business that you can run online. 
Exactly. Just get online and share it. You know, use Facebook, um, social media, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and just share it and see what happens. You're going to gather followers around you. It's just going to happen. If you're heart-centered, authentic, and share something you really believe in that you know that has value to people's life, if you do this long enough, you're going to get, uh, you know, assemble a tribe around you. And then just ask those people what it is that they want from you. And there will be people happy to pay you to get to know more about your system, about what you found out. That's the basic, most simplest way how I can put, put you no know, great service-based um, um, business and um, an online business in general to, to, to start with. I love it. And I like how you started with a, a low-cost product. And from there, you realize, okay, if, if I can make a couple hundred dollars a month from this, maybe if I put more time and more effort into it, or maybe if I sold higher-priced products, I can really turn this into a real business that can generate me enough money to to you know really live a good life and travel with you know with the whole family honestly you make it sound a little bit more planned than i was i was really i started this thing off and i'm still have this in my heart up until this day i want to help men i want to help and serve and i want to really make this world a better place this is the foundation of how of all my work and the money is almost like a byproduct that just is like i get this on top of it i would and i have been doing this for free you know so um it's nice to get paid and get paid very well now for it i also changed my mindset a little bit to be able to receive that in the in the beginning, I had problems receiving getting paid for this. A lot of heart-centered and spiritual people have problems with these things. But, you know, that's also like, you know, a mindset shift that needs to happen. That if you stand in the way of the – if you give a lot, very naturally you receive also back. It's like a very natural, organic, spiritual circle that is happening of exchange of energy. And if you block the receiving part, you just also limit at some point of time your ability to give. And if you want to help and serve, you got to be willing also to accept back from the universe. And one way is just by getting paid. And so the way how I see it right now, I can, I'm perfectly in alignment with being and becoming a multi, multi-millionaire and possibly someday a billionaire by knowing that I, you know, I give a lot. Of course, I receive a lot. And I, what I receive back, it allows me to give even more. This is why I see I don't have a Ferrari, man. I don't even have a car. I have a little black backpack where everything I own fits in. So I have no interest in buying Ferraris or, you know, I just want to travel. That's the basic one thing I want to do. But aside from this, as we do right now, I want to give back. So to all spiritual people who have problems receiving money right now, imagine how much good you can do supporting poor people, supporting women, people who are suppressed all those people who need an organization who need financial support if you are have abundance of money you can share it's not about you it's about you being successful sharing your light so you can give back that's how i justify abundance and you know being rich <laughs> i i definitely agree with that and i think that's a really really good point that everyone should rewind this and really just listen to it again especially if you know, in your mind, you think, okay, well, if, if I have a good message that I want to share, I should share that for free. And I think the biggest problem with people sharing things for free is they are, you know, they can share it, you know, they probably share it once or twice, but they will not have time to make videos about it every day or write blog posts about it every day because they're going to be too busy, either stressed about money or working a job that isn't really adding any value to the world. But if you are getting paid to share this message, it's it's then it becomes unlimited yeah well still i believe you know the successful the successful and happy ones under in the entrepreneurial movement are people who don't have just a business but they have a mission 
So you got to be willing. That's why you have, why it's absolutely crucial that you cannot just start a business because even if you get paid a little, you know, there is, you know, there is work to be done up front. You need to invest time and energy and money to make something work. So you cannot expect to put a blog post online and, you know, have a, you know, have a high paying one on one client out of this one blog post. So what I'm saying here is if you, but if you have the passion, if you, if you really want to help and serve people, you're going to do this regardless, you know, and you're going to go the extra mile and you're going to be willing to put in extra effort and this is just a recipe for success i believe because then also the next the, the second part about it is then you don't have to sell it's a big part about making money is that you have to market at some point of time and you have to market a product if you have a product that you really believe in where you can say with absolute certainty man i know that what i've put together here this has the potential to change your life and to prove improve it in ways you can't even foresee right now if you can speak with that confidence about you know anything you put online or you put out there you know not selling it's like giving a, making a gift to people it's like like a present and man you know this is for you if you're interested in in having a better life man i can help you i know for a fact that i can help you and if not well then just move on i want to help the next person in line here you see, so it makes you a great marketer, a heart-centered, authentic marketer. This is the recipe for success. Honestly, this is how I like to see it. Why you're so successful and our tribe is so successful in business. Definitely. I love that. And it's it's almost ironic how your, your story and how you started your businesses and mine, and I'm sure a lot of other people in the world, all evolved around the same thing, where we started sharing something that we were passionate about that that lied with our mission. And it just became our careers. So one thing I, that you kind of mentioned briefly that I wanted to ask about is traveling light or traveling being a bit minimalistic and not having too much luggage. You, you mentioned that you have, you know, you just have one big uh, back bag. How hard, how difficult is it to carry luggage for you, your wife and six kids? Well, there are, you know, we have, as we travel so much, there are, we, we, I just want to describe the two extremes we have been traveling with. As I told you earlier, we just came back from a nine months travel all around the world here to Costa Rica. And we started this travel in November when we heard again that our tribe members will meet in Thailand and more than ever, like 200 people going to meet in Thailand. We just said, well, the last year this was already happening and it's self-organized by our tribe. This year it's happening again, organized by our tribe. This time we need to see this. We, we want to see our people and just, not just for a meetup, which I also do frequently where I meet people in real life, but for weeks and months and really like a experiment live together and have our kids play together. So in November, we started um, very spontaneously um, go from Costa Rica to Thailand and we left uh, Costa Rica, eight people. Our baby was just born. She was like five months old at the time and we were leaving with two suitcases. So that was the minimalistic, most minimalistic way we ever traveled, like two suitcases amongst eight people. That makes not even like half a suitcase per person and mostly you know, like toys for my kids. So this was the easiest we ever traveled and it was beautiful because the other way, you know, we sometimes we go very often actually when we go from Costa Rica, we do border runs to United States. We often like to go to Florida, for example, to do Disney World and something exciting after just being in nature by the beach, no cars, no roads, just nature. We always don't like to do those border runs. What we do usually there is that we go with like five suitcases and we have like three of those five suitcases. There's another suitcase inside of the first one. So we go to the United States and then we you know, order th stuff like educational materials and I you know um, electronics. You, there's no Amazon in Costa Rica, so you can't order anything. We're, we're living by the beach and we have coconuts and fruits and there is no 
no iPhone, there is no Amazon, there is nothing here, you know. So when we go to the Western world, then we order things and we come back. So again, we leave with five suitcases. And the biggest we did once we came from Europe over to Costa Rica, we were leaving, I think, with 17 suitcases. So 17 suitcases um, amongst eight people. And that, of course, is a whole different story. Because if you have more than, let's say, five or six suitcases, then you you're not able as a group to just move at once. You cannot move the group and all the baggage. What you have to do then is that you, you, you move in stations. That means like, you know, we exit the taxi, the taxi does dump or the van does dump all the 17 suitcases in front of the airport. And then I go with my big son or my two older sons and we take the card and we take five suitcases with us in a card and we, uh, you know, move it to the check-in counter. And then we make a station there and then I leave my son with the five suitcases and I go back and get another five suitcases and two more kids. And do you see what I'm getting with this? So you, you move basically in stages. You cannot move your, your tribe at once. You make up stations, a camp, and you put all the luggage there and then you define exactly where it is you have to go next. And then you make the next camp in the next station. So can you see how, what, what big of a difference? moving with a lot of luggage just to a big group of people versus being very light. I can see and that. This is what and it, it actually almost reminds me of there's a, a little riddle about something like you have a you have a river and on one side you have a a a dog, a chicken and a something you know a sheep or something and you can only leave you can leave the the wolf with the something with but you cannot leave the other ones and you have to try to figure out how to get all of them across this the river and, and you put like the, the horse and then you put like the dog on top of the horse and the cat on top of the um the, the the dog or something like this so you can move it all at once or something yeah and you know what but i mean so i, I guess the question with that would be in retrospect were those items that you really felt like added value to your your, your lives you know you had mentioned you know educational materials which i'm, I'm sure it's important and you know all the the different health products do you do you think that was worth it or do you in retrospect do you, you know do you think okay maybe it would have been fine just to have that stuff um honestly those occasions when we travel with a lot of so it's, this is not traveling so this means like we buy stuff in one continent and fly it over to the next one where we're going to live for the next half year so this is a little different it's not like we don't never travel with 15 suitcases around the world. This is really just logistically to move stuff from one place to the other. However, still to answer this question, you know, but this is also again a little extreme to a lot of people who will not understand, but this is our, after our experience traveling, you know, being what professional world travelers, if you, if you will, so, um, that we feel the best if we are very, very light to just go with those two suitcases. There's nothing more liberating and freeing than just having all the things you own in a little small backpack. This is, I enjoy life the most. And this is speaking again as somebody who has a lot of money. I can buy all of those things, but I'm most happy as a human being if I, you know, can put basically all the things I own in my two hands and just hold them there. And then because it, you know, if I, the, the big thing about most people in the Western world is that you have so many things and you don't even know what all the things you own are. Most of the things are in some box, in some cellar or in some attic, and you never touch them again. It's just for emotional reasons or for whatever reason you hold on to things that are no longer serving you in your immediate you know, life you live right now. And there's nothing more liberating than being freed from all of that, having nothing. I 100% I, I agree yeah. with that. I'm, I've been traveling with nothing but a 65-liter duffel bag for the past exactly. you know, couple of years, and I love it. And my sister, with the two or two kids, 
but we yeah. met up in Bali about a month ago and she came with four giant suitcases. I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. she was over the weight limit of the flights and it yeah, was yeah. so stressful for her to take care of the two kids, have these four giant I think it was four big cases and then, you know, maybe two or three small, smaller bags. And her yeah, poor yeah. husband, my brother-in-law, <laughs> you know, had to try to drag all these. And it was, I thought it was just very stressful for everybody. And yeah. I think she's kind of learned from that. And ironically, she's actually in Costa Rica right now. So it'd be funny if you <laughs> That's so interesting. ended up meeting her, but she, she's yeah. kind of on her, the beginning of her kind of nomadic journey. Maybe I'll have her and her family on, on the podcast in the future, especially after she kind of figures it all out. But I think your story really kind of inspires, you know, the listeners on how to get started, kind of what the path looks like. But I think the the two things that you really hit on that really, really some, you know, summed it up is one is to travel with a, with a mission or a passion. Don't just go to check it off, you know, check it off your bucket list. Uh, and yeah. second is to slow down, relax and, and not let it stress you out because it, sh- it should not be a stressful experience. No, for sure not. Why? This is always a choice. You can be stressed out sitting on your sofa having nothing to do and feel like totally stressed out out of your eyeballs. And you can stand with six children on the uh, intersection of a major city, have to cross the road. One is tired, the other one is hungry, and you have to cross this road and you can be in total peace. These are both possible scenarios. And what I'm saying with this is that you choose. Stress is nothing that just comes over you. You're victimized by your stress. Stress or not being stressed, feeling at ease is a choice. It's another thing I always like to say in all my presentations is like you're the life or the, the condition you see your life um, unfolding in front of your eyes. It is not a condition. It's a decision. Everything is a decision. And if you live, if you take this in, this truth in, you can, you know, you can create a very beautiful life. It's a decision, not the condition. I love it. And I think one big thing that gives us the option to be able to choose how we want to live our lives, where we want to live our lives, and what we want to do with it is to become our own boss and get out of the, the, the stress of worrying about money, worrying about, you know, our job or our boss or our career. So I'm a big fan of online businesses and creating, you know, some kind of location independent income. So big congratulations yeah. for you doing, let doing me, that. Thank you. Let me add a, a last thing because that is too short for me. It's not just about becoming location dependent, but to do that with something you believe in that I feel needs to be added. You cannot just, or you, if you ask me, not just create some job that is paying you to live in location independent. If you can fill this job or create the design, this job with something, with a message you transport and you get paid for to share that you're passionate about, that you believe in, this is when true magic comes in and this is when you can grow, can become incredibly successful really quick and have the money pouring in on all ends as a byproduct. It's the passion that needs to be also seen here. Just want to add this. Sorry. I, I definitely agree with that. And, and please don't apologize for that because I think that's such a key part that I often forget to talk about because I just assume that this is something that <laughs> people will have in their minds. But you're right. A they lot don't. of people don't think they about don't. that. No, they don't. They, you know, in the, in the normal paradigm, you go to school, you, you'd make your high school degree, you just educate yourself until you're 25 or even 30, and then you hope to get some kind of job somewhere. A lot of people are, if you ask a lot of people, I coach so much, you know, I've been coaching with hundreds of people. Some people are really threatened and scared. If you ask them, what are you passionate about? 
What would you like? If you can choose your job, your destination, what would it be? A lot of people are scared. They, they are not used to ask themselves these kind of question. It's scary to me how much people are scared about um, asking the right questions to themselves to become more happy. And, and I think one of those things is because we never really given ourselves the, the permission to ask ourselves. Yes, yes. That's but, true. In, yeah. in, in, the, in the usual system, nobody's asking you. Nobody. You just have to follow the rules. You have to make something out of yourself. You have to become better. You have to learn. You Right now, you're not good. Just, you know, work a little harder. Learn a little bit more. You know, get in line. Await your turn. Those are the things that we, you know, we, we teach in our kids, you know, and that's, of course, the, the adults they become, you know, that you just have to follow orders. That's what the system basically wants you to do. And I'm questioning this big time. And I invite everybody to question this because this is what has led us in big time problems. It is so interesting that in Germany, I think it's a little bit the same numbers in the United States. In Germany, more than 50, I think it's 52% of all people are not satisfied with their jobs. Imagine this incredible number. Half of the population is unhappy with the work they do. And they accept that the worst, that's okay. But the worst part for me, for me is that people seem to continue to accept this. How on earth can you do this? That doesn't make any sense to me that you continue doing something that is poisonous and toxic to you and to your children. Why on earth would you do that? I want to really question this with this podcast and, and ask yourself, are you happy with your life? And if not, what are you willing to do about it? I, I love it. And, because of of you, people now have one less excuse on why they cannot live the life, right. you know, that they that they desire and and love it. Because you know, having kids or having a family is no longer an excuse. Maybe if anything, it's a reason. Exactly, it's a reason. It's a, that's how I always like to. It's a duty. Why? Because if you do, if you live an unhappy life to yourself, that's your that's your party. You know, enjoy it or suffer from it is your choice. However, as soon as you have become a father or a mother, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what kind of beautiful words come out of your mouth. You can become everything you want, son. If you live a shitty life doing a shitty job and and just waiting for the holiday, just waiting for weekend, just waiting for retirement, if you speak in a Christian way, just waiting for paradise after you die, you know, if this is the life you live, you are that role model to your children. So you embody this message of living an unhappy life, just working a shitty job. That's what you show your kids is normal way of operating in life every fucking day and that is not acceptable in the name of our children who are limitless souls who, who believe that and they they still believe the right thing that they can become anything they want kids don't have these limitations we adults take on over education and you know being being brought up we have the duty as parents to to embody and be a good best role model we can be to them and by that we have to follow our dreams we have to what we talk always about to our children we have to embody this so it's our duty especially with kids to follow up so one thing is that one excuse always well i have kids i can't do this the other one is i don't have money and the third one is i don't have education we fulfill all those three excuses we had no money we had tens of thousands of dollars of debt i'm just a carpenter i i don't have a fancy education whatsoever nobody believed in me my parents hated me for what i was doing and i still was doing it so don't give me excuses the one who wants finds a way. The one who doesn't finds excuses. What's it going to be for you? I love it. I've done it. Kaz done it. And we've had now on over 150 other people on the podcast who have done it. No more excuses. If people want to reach out to you, check out your website, 
learn more, how can they do that, Kyle? Well, um, we have, I have my YouTube channel, which I'm most passionate about. I'm vlogging about our day to day life. So if you just go on YouTube and Google Sundance family, that's us. So you just do any Google search Sundance family. Then for sure, just check out our website, the sundancefamily.com, where we also, you know, link to our YouTube and I'm also a photographer, very passionate on Instagram. But then we also have like some free training for people to generate more freedom and to, you know, also possibly start an online business with what they're passionate about. So I say just go to our website and from there you can, you know, find us on all social networks and get some free training from us as well. I love to help. I love it, Koth. Thanks for so much for being on the show. Say, you know, thank you and hello to Katie and your family for, for me, from me and from all the listeners of Travel Like a Boss. Thank you so much, Johnny. I appreciate it. All the best to you guys. Do what you love. No excuses. I love it. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, Travel Bosses. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to give a big thank you to everyone who's been leaving these amazing five-star reviews on the iTunes store for this podcast. If you don't have iTunes, if you don't have a Mac, please just leave a review anywhere or just share this podcast with your friends, with your community, on your Facebook, wherever you want. Just get the word out there. I want to say thank you to Eric Bison for leaving a five-star review on iTunes. He says, highly recommended five stars. Johnny and his guests share inspiring and actionable lessons to help you succeed at creating your ideal life through online business, travel, and location-independent lifestyle. Highly recommended listening and subscribing if you want to live and work while exploring the world on your own terms. Thanks, Eric. Thanks to everyone. And big thank you to our sponsor, Tripstreak. The next time you guys need to book a flight, whether you want to go out to Costa Rica, to Thailand, or anywhere else in the world, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. I'll see all of you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.